Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit DestinyDayton.com. So, my name is Raekwon Bennett, and me and my wife Carla Bennett, we have been attending here at Destiny for about 12, 13 years now. In fact, we just celebrated 12 years of marriage yesterday. So, yeah, to God be the glory, man. So, me and Carla, we serve as the outreach pastors uh, here, at, here at Destiny, and you will be hearing more about um, outreach in the coming weeks. So, today, the title of today's sermon is Sin. So, when we think about sin, <clears throat> sin separates us from God. It is the opposite of the will of God. God is holy, but when we sin, like sin is acts of evil. Sin breaks God's heart, and it leaves us in a place of shame, guilt, and regret. If we give sin an inch in our life, it would always take a mile. Or let me borrow one of Pastor Eric's quotes. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to be kept. Brothers, can you bring up the picture of uh, Jesus? Church, this right here is how ugly sin is. It took God to send his son. Sin is very ugly. And all the punishment was laid on Christ. So when we sin... Whether we think small, medium, or large, let's keep that in mind. That's one of the reasons why Christ came. So I just wanted that image up there and for us to really grasp and get this, that sin is very serious. And to Brother Jason was starting to uh, preach my sermon this morning. The Holy Spirit is so awesome. If we want revival in the church, we can't continue to look like the world. We can't. If we want the fire of God, we can't have the fire of God and look like the world. So I want to break this down, and this is all still the intro here. We have four enemies, right? It's our flesh. Then you got the world slash culture. Then you have Satan. Then you have demons. Now, I know you're probably wondering, why did I separate Satan and demons? About to explain. So we must remember, Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. He's not God. God is everywhere, right? God can show up in my prayer time and wreck me and be wrecking Pastor Eric at the exact same time. So we hear this a lot in the church. Our, Our brother, old sister, you don't understand. Satan's been just on my back all week. So you telling me when I hear that, you're telling me that Satan shut down the second heaven and he came and chilled at your house for a week. I don't buy it. Right now, his minions, demons may be encamped there, sent on a mission by him. But him, his like himself, he is not camped out at your house. I can tell you that. And I'm not throwing no shade this morning. Just, you know, just being real. So. I want to make one thing clear before I jump in. If you feel like you have a demon, and yes, Christians can have demons. 
Swallow that pride and sign up for a deliverance. I want to be clear before I even move on. You can go to destinydating.com and go to click on resources and you will see the deliverance app and fill it out. No one here will shame you. You won't, you know, no one here will look at you different. So I just wanted to mention that. So I'm going to have uh, everyone stand to honor the reading of God's word. And we're going to be reading Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. That's Genesis 4, verses 1 through 10. When you dare say, oh, yeah. And I'm going to be reading out of the um, Nat translation, by the way. So here we go, starting with verse 1. Now, the man had marital relations with his wife, talking about uh, Adam, with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Then she said, I have created a man just as the Lord did. Verse 2. Then she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel took care of the flocks while Cain cultivated the ground. Verse 3. At the designated time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground for an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought some of the firstborn of his flock, the fattest of them. And the Lord was pleased with Abel in his offering. But with Cain and his offering, he was not pleased. So Cain became very angry and his expression was downcast. That means it showed on his face. Verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your expression downcast? Is it not true that if you would do what is right, you will be fine? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. See, we got to understand something here. God is telling Cain to subdue it. We think in the American church, the moment that we're saved, oh, I'm good. Sin won't be knocking at the door. I'm cool. It's all under the blood. If we have that mindset, we're wrong. Verse 8, and then Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he replied, I, I do not know. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Father, I just thank you for your word today, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that this, like, cut us all right to the heart. Father, we thank you that we can read this today for this example, that we won't fall in the same patterns. So, Father, I pray that we are all wrecked today by your word. Father God, I pray that your kingdom will come and that your will will be done. Lord, I pray that this morning that we will humble ourselves and allow you to come and to do surgery on our hearts, Lord. And we thank you, Father, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. You may be seated. So jumping right in here, point number one, sin don't just happen, it must be let in. So I just wanted to mention that right off the bat. Sin don't just happen, it must be let in. So we just read here, sin began to knock on Cain's door the moment he brought God a lazy offering. 
Because we notice what we, what we read in verses 3 and 4, he brought some of the fruit, some. He didn't even take the time to give the best. He just, I'm just going to give God a little something, right? And here's something that we always hear in the American church. Oh, I slipped. I slipped into sin. We don't slip into sin, church. We either privately walk into it with a hyper grace mentality or we've been spiritually weak and we had a lack of a fire prayer life. That's the only way we ascend is either we got pride and we listen into culture with that hyper grace like bull. Right. Or we didn't had a weak prayer like prayer, uh, prayer, spiritual life. And the enemy came while we was weak and we fell. But it's no such thing as our oh, brother. I slipped. I just went outside and slipped into saying, no, that's that's not how it worked. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16 reads, the righteous falls seven times and rises again. And that is very true. But it's the difference between a righteous person falling and getting back up versus living in sin patterns. Often in the American church, verses like these are quoted often to excuse sin. Uh, the Bible say the righteous fall, right? But I don't believe that that's what Solomon was getting at here. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about the workplace today. I'm going there today. It's real funny that how we get up and we go to work every day. And I notice that we don't commit work sin. And let me explain what I mean. Work sin is the company handbook. It's got, a, it's got all these rules. You can't be late. You can't do this. You can't do that, right? And some of us have been at our jobs for years. And I'm not downplaying that. I'm not saying go to work and just do what you want. But yet we follow rules. We're not late. We make sure we don't miss days. If we are going to, you know, not be there, we call and say something. Because if we don't, some jobs fire you on the spot. So we don't commit work sin. We get up, we go to work every day. We don't miss a single day. Employee of the month, 10 times, right? Which is awesome. That's awesome. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to work and give our best. And another line we hear in the American church is, I'm not perfect. Jason kind of touched on this Wednesday night. The Bible says, like God says, be holy as I am holy, right? So why would God tell us that if it wasn't possible? So in the American church, when we say I'm not perfect, do we say that with the mindset of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Because if, we, if we're saying that with that mindset, then it's cool, right? Or do we say it because we anticipate sin? Do we say it for that reason? Because if we're saying it for that reason, we're wrong. And I believe in the American church, we just automatically think that we're going to continue to live in sin. I believe a lot of us in the American church have that mindset. Well, I'm not perfect. Uh, I'm going to mess up again. We got to remember also life and death is in the power of the tongue. So if you're speaking that over yourself, of course you're going to sin again. First John chapter 2, verse 1, John says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Key words here, may not sin. But if, if, 
anyone does sin, we have a advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, in righteousness. So key word there, if we sin, not when we sin. So sin is a choice. We don't have to do it. I don't care what this new watered-down American culture gummy bear Jesus that they're trying to present, or cake batter, I should say, right, that they're trying to present. God's word says otherwise. We do not have to sin. So when you go to work tomorrow, when you get around your family members and they hit you with that, like, oh, you're going to sin? Like, nah, no, no, I'm not. I don't have to. Come on, church. It's time for us to rise up and be bold. We, we should never bow down to culture. Another thing that's used in the, in the American church is this right here. It's what I call measurement tape sin. So what I mean by that is we do this. And we may not want to admit to this, but we either we're living in this spot now or we have been there. Uh, well, my sin is somewhere around here. Let me think of a name. I don't want to say nobody's name in here. I don't want to get beat up on the way out. Um, Sister Erica's sin is all the way, way out here, right? We do that in the American church when God is looking at us and he's saying, no, I don't want you sinning at all. Rather, it's small, medium, or large. How do I know that the small things matter? Glad you asked. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, the small foxes spoil the vineyard. So that means the small things matter. The little attitude problems matter. Showing up at church with an attitude, um... I'm doing everybody a favor by showing up. Those things matter. God is looking at those things. We can think that he don't see them, but he do. Because it's funny for a paycheck, we get up and I don't care if we got two hours of sleep, we there. And we're going to work our butt off for money, right? But when it comes to church, oh, man, pastor, my, my big toe acting up, I can't make it. But then we went and stood on our feet eight hours at a job. Something is wrong with that picture. All my back is hurting. I can't show up, but we still want to work. But yet we want revival. And I'm, I'm preaching to me too. My, my toes are swollen from God stepping on my toes. So, hey, this is going to me too. So we must get rid of the measurement tape in the church. And a bonus point I want to touch on here is in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 13. Jason uh, Thompson actually preached on this uh, awesome message, by the way. But this is the parable of the talents. And we read in this passage that Jesus gave one person five talents. He gave another two talents and he gave one one talent. And it said the master went away for a while and he came back. And we know the story. The one who had five talents, he produced five more. The one who had two talents, he produced two more. But the one who had one, he didn't produce anything. He buried it, right? And Jesus told him, you could have at least invested it in the bank. You could have did something with it, right? So my question is for us, what are we doing? Because it's some people in the American church that's not doing flat out nothing. And we think oh, uh, well, I'm not out here sending it up. I'm not out here doing this and doing that. That may be true. But if you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God, if you're not even showing up at church and investing into your brothers and sisters, if you're not at the bare minimum, at least 
at a family gathering telling, like, sharing the gospel, Jesus is not pleased with that. And I will argue that it's a sin, right? Because we go on and read that Jesus said, take, like, take that wicked servant and cast him into outer darkness where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice in this passage of scripture, adultery isn't talked about. Anger isn't talked about, right? He's talking about not doing nothing and not doing nothing for the king, for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's a sin. And we must understand that. See, the devil want us to think as long as you're not doing this, you're good. If we are remaining silent, I believe it's in Ezekiel. It says that the blood of that person is on our hands. So not sharing the gospel is a sin. And I'm going to say this. Americans are very nosy. Let's keep it real. We, we nosy people. Come on, let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's just be, let's be honest. So I noticed at my job, people often ask, hey, man, how was your weekend? That's an opportunity, like opportunity to share the gospel. They asked me how my weekend was. They didn't have to ask me that. Hey, man, it was good. I went to church. feel like the Lord highlighted some things in my life and that I got to get right with him. You know, that was my weekend, right? Or we hear this in the workplace. Hey, man, I don't ever hear you cuss or do you drink? Do you smoke? That's another open door to share the gospel. So really, none of us have any excuse to preach the gospel especially at family gatherings, right? Because we know family members, I don't know about child uh, families, but mine always want to try to test me, if I can word it that way. Oh, here here come the preacher, here he come, you know, and we have a chance to minister God's word. And when we sit back and don't do it, it's a sin, because that person's blood is on our hands. Now I get, Jesus said, if they don't receive you, shake the dust off and keep it moving. That's true. But I believe if some of us in this room and some um, that's watching online that we haven't said one word to certain co-workers or certain family members. So point number two. Sin enters through fleshly desires. So looking back over verse five. But with Cain and his offering, God was not pleased. So Cain became very angry and his expression was downcast, right? So for Cain at this moment, the fleshly desire was anger and jealousy, right? It entered through a fleshly desire. So if we think about it, sin is always invisible until it's visible, right? Where do sin starts? From here to here. It's internal, right? That's where the battle starts. From the forehead to the heart, right? Come on, come on. That's where it starts. So it's always invisible until it's visible. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it reads, The Lord saw the wickedness of man and that it was great in the earth, and that every intention and of the thoughts of his heart was evil continuously. So that means it may have been some people who wasn't necessarily doing sinful acts, but even their thoughts were evil. I believe in the American church, and and I got to go here this morning, just being obedient to the Lord, that a lot of us have messed up minds. Or if I can word it this way, jacked up minds. And we show up Sunday after Sunday, 
we can lift our hands, but if we are like going through it internally, God sees those things. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, um, verse 28, if you even look at a woman to lust after her, you have already committed adultery in your heart. So Jesus is looking at the inside because we all can put on that um, persona or that image showing up here on Sunday mornings. We all can do that. Right. But what does like what do our thought lives look like? What what do our hearts look like? That's what God is looking at. In Second Corinthians, chapter 10, verse five, Paul said, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. So church, whenever a crazy thought come there and I'm a, everybody in this room that had a crazy thought of some sort, everybody, if we haven't, we lying of, of some sort, maybe different levels, but we didn't have some type of crazy thought. Um, and I'll be the first to be honest. It's been times I didn't been at work and, didn't thought, I didn't thought about fighting somebody who rubbed me the wrong way. I'm just, just keeping it real. And at that moment, I have to choose like, okay, Lord, your word says vengeance is yours. Your word says you are seated on the throne and you see everything. You see the righteous, you see the wicked. So this person trying to clown me at the moment or embarrass me, you know what, God, I'm going to give this person to you, right? So we got to take those thoughts captive. And like I mentioned earlier, if you're being tormented and dominated, then that's a different thing. Chances are it's a demon and you need to sign up for deliverance. But just because demons get cast out right doesn't mean that our battle stops. Wanted to mention that too. So my question for us all this morning is, what are we feeding ourselves? I don't care how strong we think we are. I know we're American. But if we watch movies, shows, music, and play video games that we're not supposed to, eventually those things will become unhealthy desires in our lives. It don't matter how strong we think we are. You can pray in tongues for two hours straight. And if you're watching Games of, games of Thrones, you're going to be in trouble. Just being honest. We often hear this in the American church as well. You talk to a person, oh, brother or, or oh, sister, I can't seem to get free. And then when you really get to talking to them, okay, what type of music you listen to? Oh, I listen to a little Tupac here and there and a little, you know, Lil, Lil Wayne a little bit, Travis Scott, all this and that. Like, well, no, no wonder you depressed. No wonder you're thinking about suicide. I mean, come on. Or I've been playing this video game lately called Demon Souls. Well, I mean, there's your answer. You ain't getting sleep at night. That's why, right? Come on. But I believe in America, we have become so influenced by culture that we think we can continue to do all these things that God calls sin and get away with it. I'm here to tell you this morning that's not the case. In Matthew chapter five verses 29 and um, 30, Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, throw it away. 
It is better to lose one of your members than have your whole body thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into hell. So I just want to be honest about myself, something I've been struggling with uh, here lately. So a couple years ago, I bought a PS5, right? And here recently, I just noticed how much time I've been spending on it, right? And I just feel like the Lord hit me with that verse. Like, like Quan, if your eye causes you to sin, take it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. So I took those controllers and I put them away. I don't know eventually if I'm going to sell this gaming console. I'm leaning towards that way. But I know for the time being, that console, it has been calling me, I mean, causing me to neglect time with the Lord. Or I should have been, should have been spending more time with the Lord. So I'm just being honest with, you know, about myself this morning. So are we willing to go to that point, to that extent? Are we willing to delete the Netflix account? Are we willing to delete Hulu? Are we willing to get rid of HBO Max? Instead of having that macho mindset, oh, I can manage it. Oh, I can get on HBO Max and just watch this show. I won't, I'll scroll past everything else. If it's tempting you, if, if it's causing you to sin, church, get rid of it. Don't hold on to it. Because I bet you this, the enemy is banking on you to keep that, uh, that subscription. He wants you to keep it. Of course, he's going to whisper, oh, you got this. You got it. You don't got to delete it. You don't got to pack your game up. Oh, you, you got this. Of course, that's what he, those, you know, the, the Bible says that he's the father of lies. And point number three, the only way to overcome sin is to subdue it. So looking back over verse seven. God said, it is not true. If you do what is right, you will be fine. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. The word subdue means to overcome, to bring under control. I was going to have a live demonstration this morning. I was going to have Brother Dylan come up and practice a judo move. But Brother Dylan, we getting older, man. So, you know. We can't we can't do stuff like that no more. But y'all 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 get the point. So subdue means to overcome, to bring under control. Everyone in this room this morning and everyone watching online, it's on us. It's on me to subdue sin. It's on us. We can listen to culture with that mindset of oh I'm a sin anyway, or we can read God's word which it says in Titus 1, 2, that God cannot lie. So when he's telling us to subdue sin, it can be done. This is not something God is just saying. He's just throwing it out there. I'll subdue it. No, we can do it. Because once again, with Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We see that verse often in sports on um, NBA players' shoes, and that's fine. But I believe what Paul was talking about there is when it comes to things like this, sin. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, I die daily. Church, we have to die to ourselves every single day. It's not once we save, that's it. 
I just go with the flow. No, it's daily death. I love what Pastor Eric said a while back that the moment we are saved, or better yet, just being born in general, we are born into a war. But the moment we are saved, we're in a fight. Because now we have made the enemy and his minions upset, and he's going to fight. So this is like we have to have a daily death. The moment we say yes to Jesus, subduing sin must become a daily life, uh, a daily lifestyle daily. It's not just on Sundays or Wednesday nights. It's seven days a week. We have to subdue sin every single day because the enemy is operating 24 seven. He don't feel sorry for us. He don't take breaks every day. Between him or his minions, they're going to figure out ways to try to make our lives miserable every single day, every day. And that's everyone in this room from the leadership down to every person. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14 reads, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their lands. Who is God talking to here? Christians, right? Right. He's not talking about the world. So we subdue sin by living in daily humbleness towards God. And here we go. Humbleness towards each other. Sometimes. We subdue sin on our own, right? It says in the Bible that David encouraged himself in the Lord. In those times, we will have those times. But there are times where you need the hand of a brother or a sister. Now, during those moments when we know we need a brother or a sister's hand, we can operate in pride with that American mancho, I got this, or we can open up and be honest. James chapter five, verse 16 reads, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I want to mention this. So in our small group this quarter, we have started radical accountability. So pretty much what it looks like, the man with the man, the women with the women, and we are just being 100, just honest with each other, right? And I mean, I believe where we're headed is we're going to start to have access to each other's mental state. See, that's important because remember what I said earlier, we can show up and look like we got it all figured out, but can be dominated mentally, right? So that's something we started, you know, um, every morning. We get in this group chat and we just talk. Hey, man, good morning, brothers. You know, I'm going through this, this, and this. Or, hey, good morning. I encourage you to go deep in the Lord today. Uh, spend some time with him. You know, it's important. And I'm going to honestly say, like, I've been noticing a difference already within myself with just opening up. Pride would always keep us from opening up to each other. Sometimes we have the mindset of, oh, no one else will understand. I'm the only person going through this. I bet if I open up about this, you know, everyone will just look at me. Though That lie, that's coming from the enemy. That's not of God. That is coming from Satan. That is coming from demons. 
the Lord wants us to open up to one another. He don't want us to keep it to ourselves. Like pastor preached on last week, you know, having that unity and not being fractured. If we are to be on this journey together and help one another, we have to be honest. And I remember what pastor Dylan preached on about being in the valley. If you want to stay in the valley and and I, I say this with a heavy heart, that's on you. You can't be helped if you choose to stay in that place. But if you would just reach that hand up, a brother or a sister would grab that hand and pick you up. Paul says that there are some in the body that are stronger and there are some that are weaker. Right. And he said the stronger must lift up the weaker ones. And I don't say that like to try to throw shade, but it's true. But however, if you want to stay in that place, it's on you. You can choose to lift up that hand and to be honest to a brother or a sister, or you can stay in that place. See, God is not going to force us to do anything. God is not going to turn us into robots and make us go deeper in him and make us serve him. It's a choice. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse uh, 18, it reads, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So remember, whenever there's pride, destruction and the fall is right behind it. So a quick story I want to share on how I fell. And I know Caleb about to start laughing, but I got to share so y'all can get a visual. So I think this was about four years ago, give or take, somewhere around there. And Caleb at the church was challenging me to a race. He's like, man, I can I can dust you, man. You know, I'm like, man, no, nah, I still, you know, I may be getting a little older. I, I still got it. And I should have listened to my wife. She was like, uh, Quan, number one, you ain't got on the right shoes. She's like, and you really ain't been working out. You, you getting up there. That's that, that's that problem. I'm like, man, nah, he ain't going to call me out. I got this. So I met him out there in the parking lot. Caleb, like, are right, you ready? I'm like, yeah. So we, you know, we start. And I'm, I'm looking like, oh, yeah, I got him. I, oh, yeah, I got this. And I began to stumble, right? And I slid. Yeah, oh, yeah, embarrassing. Pastor probably still got a saved on footage. I, I know he do. But, um, yeah, I, I, took, I took a fall. I took a fall. And, and it was a painful fall. And um, I remember Dave Rose at the time when he was here. He had the funniest response. No words. He, he, was, he had his coffee. He just looked at me. He just, mm, mm, mm. That's all he said. That's all he said. No words. And that was enough. I know what Dave meant by that. Right. So pride, you know, we cannot live with that because the fall is always right behind the pride. In James chapter four, verse six reads, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we humble ourselves under the Lord's mighty hand, when we humble ourselves to each other. It's freedom that awaits on the other side. So two things I want to close with. First, I want to close with um, Sister Lacey gave a word Wednesday night. And it was powerful what the Lord spoke to her. And it went along the words of run, flee sin, run from it, run from it. Don't, you know, don't play with it. Don't take a chance. Literally run from sin, run. That is the mindset that we have to have. 
Sin is always going to try to knock at the door of all of our hearts every day. And we have to run from it. We can't take it lightly. We can't play with it. I believe it's in Job when God told Job, who can take the Leviathan and turn it into a pet? We can't, we can't play with sin. This is serious. We must subdue it. And also, I want to close with a dream the Lord gave me or, or a dream slash a vision. And this was about probably about eight, nine months ago. And I didn't feel like it was the t- like never the time to share it until today. Now, when I share this, some of, some of you may be thinking like, oh, Quan, that dream or vision is just for you. Well, you can take that with pride or you can open your hearts and apply it to your lives as well. But I'm just going to be obedient and share what the Lord um, showed me. So one night I, I went to bed. It was on a um, Saturday night. And in this dream slash vision, I was driving in my car. And I went to a mechanical shop. It was like a Midas of some sort. But in this dream, this shop was like huge. Like it didn't look like a normal car shop. So in a dream, um, I was on the phone with my wife talking to her, you know, through Bluetooth. And I remember telling her in the dream, like, man, this shop seems like it's, it looked kind of creepy. It looked kind of weird. Um, and, you know, we just talking and laughing and joking. And I'm noticing people going into this mechanical shop, but they're not coming back out. I'm looking like, man, and I'm noticing, like, man, it's real quiet. Like, I don't hear no twos. I don't, you know, it's, it's quiet. So the whole time I'm on the phone with my wife in this dream, I'm noticing the dashboard and the steering wheel is getting closer and closer to my chest. But I'm not thinking none of it, right? And I remember telling Carla in the dream, like, man, I feel like the steering wheel is starting to, you know, I feel like this car is getting small. And she was like, huh, that don't even make sense. I'm like, right. I'm like, maybe it's just, you know, my mind. I, you know, I'm tripping. So I hang up with her. You know, I tell her, love you. I'll see you when I get home. So in this dream, I had this moment of like, man, you know what? It's getting late. I'm about to just go home, right? So when I went to put the car in drive, it went back. And, I, and the car began to get pulled into this mechanical shop. So I'm getting pulled in, and I'm like, man, like, you know, like, what is going on? So as the car gets pulled in, the garage doors begin to close slowly, real slow. And I begin to get this eerie feeling, like, okay, like, where am I? Like, where, what is this place? Like, this is not no mechanical shop. What is this? So at this point, I'm pinned in the car. I'm completely stuck. I can kind of move, like, my head to the to the right and to the left, and I can kind of see behind me. But, like, at this point, I'm stuck. So I'm yelling, like, hey, man, like, you know, let me out this shop, right? And behind me, it was just pitch black, just complete. I'm, I'm talking just eerie darkness, pitch black. So I looked to my right, and it was a, uh, it was a black BMW with tinted windows, and it was a man inside the car. And I can feel his thoughts. And I'm, I'm feeling, it's like I can't communicate with him. He can't communicate with me, but we can feel each other's thoughts. Man, his thoughts were, Lord, please give me one more chance. I don't want to be here. And that's when it hit, like, wait a minute, this, this is hell. It's got to be. Like, he's saying I don't like, but I'm thinking, like, nah, this, this can't be. This can't be. 
And then I looked to my left, and there was another car with tinted windows, and there was a woman in this car, and the same thing, I can hear her thoughts. And I can just kind of hear her, th- her thoughts of like screaming like, Lord, please, I don't want to be here. Please get me out of here. I don't deserve to be here. I don't want to be here. And that's when reality kicked in like, okay, this is hell. Like that's when it really settled into me. So my first thoughts were this right here, you know, the big sin, right? I began to think, Lord, I don't have no active sin in my life. Like why am I, why am I here? And I began to just cry out to the Lord, like, you know, Lord, please, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know if I'm supposed to be here because this is a um, something I'm supposed to experience and share. I don't like, why am I here? And it felt justified, like justified, because I know the Bible says God is just and he's righteous. So I had the thought like, okay, Lord, if I'm here, I'm here for a reason. Maybe I got some unforgiveness in my heart. Maybe I really didn't forgive this person or or that person. I just began to have these thoughts like, or maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And I can remember in a dream, just crying out to God, like, Lord, I want to get out of this place. I want to get out. And right before the garage door closed, I woke up like gasping for air. Right. I believe the Lord gave me that dream for two reasons. Watch out for the little things that can creep up and eventually grow and to share it. I believe it's some here this morning, or you may be watching on watching online. You may be right there at that place where time is running out. Hell is a real place. And the Bible says in Matthew seven, many will be shocked. Talking about Christians to find themselves there. But if we continue to live with ongoing sin in our life or living in these sin patterns, the chances are we will end up there. So as we close this morning, going to have everyone stand. And I just want to close with just repentance. I don't want you to try to put no limit on it like, oh, I'm not that bad. If you're here this morning, I'm not going to tell no one to bow their head or close their eyes. If you're here this morning and you feel like, man, I got these sin patterns in my life, I want you to come up front. Don't wait. Come up front. Come up front. Rather it's you feel like it's small, medium, or large, or you go six months and then it come back, or you go a week and it come back. If you are here this morning and you feel like you have sin patterns in your life, Come up here. Come up. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.